let them take you back to the golden era. Hey, what's up, guys? And welcome to the Golden Era Podcast. It's Jake here, and I'm joined by Chastity and Jose. What is up, guys? Hello, hello. Happy almost Thanksgiving. Happy almost Wrestlecade. Happy almost Wrestlecade. (laughs) Oh my God, what a week. I think that is, like, the only holiday I know of this. I mean, I'm not a big Thanksgiving person, so, like, I mean, grateful for crap, but... Not really a big turkey eater, so I don't know. I mean, but look it's all about the stuffing. Jake, it's our favorite season. It's gobbler season. It is gobbler season. You know, I had two this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm due for mine tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my god, it was so bad because, like, so I had my dad's um, 70th birthday party yesterday, and we had like a ton of food at the house. But it's Saturday night. I'm like, can we get? gobblers and Tug's like what is wrong with you like we're gonna eat so much tomorrow so I don't know but we have we grew up very differently I love food oh yeah like we're going to his family's for Thanksgiving we're in charge of wine I'm like so how many bottles of wine should we bring he's like like two should be good I'm like per person like (laughs) the way you're saying is you're not bringing the bella radici (laughs) no hell no well the shark hell no Hell no. The Chardonnay apparently is now like a reserve, so you can't get it anymore. So I'm like not even I don't even want to open my bottles. So I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, but no, that's not coming with me. Um, we're getting cheap crap from the chairman selection at the liquor store. So <laughs> Well, I guess it's barefoot Moscato for everyone. <laughs> this cupcake is heavenly. So, <laughs> oh my god all right okay guys so we i really think any wine that's cheaper than five dollars is the best wine so <laughs> I, i'll be honest i'm a big proponent of boxed wine like in yeah. college that was my jam like Dang. i I'm love nothing a box of frangia is yes oh my god frangia is you know what i used to drink a lot have you ever heard of birdie it's like yes, a like yeah yes it's like it's I like need the, to try birdie it's so good so it's not box wine but it's like this like cheap ass champagne like prosecco sort of thing but I oh, used no, to like, I've had it then okay okay I used to chase my shots with it in college because it's like basically grape juice like <laughs> <laughs> so but I threw up a lot in college so. <laughs> Maybe you should have the Martinelli's instead. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, enough vomit stories. We, let's talk about something that won't make us puke. And we're going to jump right into it, guys. Um, we're going to start with a little well, Chicago. Actually, first, uh, conspicuous oh, by his absence. Our I totally beloved, yeah, yeah, actually but... taking a break this time around, but don't worry, guys. He will be back next month's episode. Is going to be something very spectacular. Yes. Uh, some might call it extremely stratifying. I mean, ooh. But while you're waiting, you can catch him in um, the WWF Divas Do New York calendar out next month. Oh, so he's going to kill us for that. He, he's actually the stoplight behind Candace Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he sent me a little sneak peek, and he's actually emulating Trinity 
Um, not Naomi Trinity, like Trinity from ECW with the caution oh, tape. Do not cross yeah. tape. Oh, I'm so proud of him. So <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so Chris, don't worry. We're going to um, make sure this is a good one because I know some of your favorite moments are going to be discussed here, especially around your girl Trish Stratus. So um, yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, all right, so speaking of Trish Stratus, um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite matches of hers, um, the incredible Chicago street fight with Victoria. Uh, this was a really great match. You know, Victoria and Trish were getting to do a lot of really unique sort of angles. Um, they were having all these awesome matches involving weapons. But this street fight for me was really something else. Absolutely. Yeah. I know for me, uh, because I did start watching a little later, that I actually had to go back to watch this the first time uh, many years ago. And I remember realizing, like, oh, wait, Trish and Victoria were actually going at it a lot more times than just, like, 2006 from what I remembered. And it was very physical and very violent. They were tough as shit. And oh, everyone yeah. in the crowd was eating it up, too. Like, Because you vividly remember how the match starts, where Trish is, like, halfway through her entrance and then out of nowhere you see victoria and stephen richards come out and attack trish from oh, behind yeah. to start the match before the match even starts which is crazy yeah it was just aw- you know stephen richards really i will rarely give the men credit but stephen richards really played a great role in this match too i feel like um you know he was i, I what i really loved about him with victoria was that it was something kind of untraditional that we had seen in WWE, where it, where it wasn't really the woman helping the man. It was the man, like, you know, and the woman was the top star. So I really loved, like, you know, the role Steven played in this, you know, getting involved, helping Victoria get that win, um, you know, taking some bumps. It was, and it made Trish look so strong, too, by taking him out. Definitely. And I feel like I always chime in with things like, I love this podcast for this reason, but like we're, we're shining a light on an era of women's wrestling. That's constantly kind of talked down on like the women Mm -hmm. today are absolutely badasses and killing it are, are constantly kind of recognized for being these, like these just like groundbreaking women. And they are, but like, I feel like girls like Trish and Lita and Victoria are constantly put in this generation of, Oh, they were broad panty matches. Oh, they were in Mm -hmm. the, you know, but like, no, these girls came out here and were beating the hell out of one another. And, like, a Chicago street fight, something that for decades you never heard about with women anymore. Like, you would, we would have never seen this from, you know, the next generation of women that were coming up. But here we were, like, we're, we're getting these two knockdown, drag out, like, goddesses, uh, beauty-wise, but also these talented female athletes. And, like, I love that that's what this podcast was designed around, was shining a light on this absolute golden era of women's wrestling that's constantly forgotten about. Like this match was a lot of fun to go back and, and watch and relive Um, kind of the same thing you were saying, Jose, Uh, my first time watching this, I don't believe was in 2000, like was in 2003, but coming up and and studying matches and stuff like that. Like this was definitely one of those matches where I was like, Oh my God, this happened. Why, why do they not talk about this more often? So I just, I love it. I love what we're doing here. It's one of those moments that's, like you just said, you know, like, it's not talked about enough. It's one of those, like, hidden gems of the women's revolution that goes back to it. You know, this, I think this is the, one of the few street fights they've had. I've, they've probably had another couple. But, like, when I think of street fights, this is the, the one that comes top of mind. It it was so brutal. It told such a great story. Um, and it, I think it's one, for me, this was the moment that really 
fully established Victoria as the women's champion. You know, she was having the, she had a triple threat match at Armageddon. She had a nice little feud with Jacqueline. I love that segment with Stacey. But for me, this was like really established her as like, she is the champion, you know, like don't mess with her. Right. And then not even just that, Jake, but like looking at the things they actually did in this match, you really don't even see them in future street fights with the men. No. Like just the creative ways that they would work into spots. Like there's uh, one point I think Victoria has Trish in like an electric chair and just tosses her face force into a trash can lid mm-hmm. and how Trish is using the two trash can lids as symbols and like gives Victoria like a standing concerto of some sort. So, like you would never see that kind of creativity nowadays with a stipulation match just because everything in today's WWE just seems so paint by numbers, even though they're trying to be more physical where it's just, it kind of makes you wonder like if it's just because of that older style of wrestling from like the ruthless aggression era being kind of watered down or if it's just finding two people that have that kind of chemistry where they could say, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. See what sticks. Maybe see what will end up working better the next time we do this too. So I would have loved to know, like be able to fly on the wall and when Victoria and Trish were planning this and known what else they were planning that management wouldn't let them do. Um, actually just listened to Victoria on Lillian Garcia's podcast today. And she was talking about um, the infamous steel cage match with Lita. And she was saying, you know, how she wanted to, to blade during it and bleed during it. And they told her no. So she was trying, she told Lita, like, you know, just throw me as hard as you can against the cage. So like, cause she was trying to bust herself open by accident. So I guarantee you though, Victoria definitely has that personality where she's down for anything. And Trish is so creative and like such a team player and like wants to always make everyone look great. I guarantee you there were spots that were even more impressive that we were, that were held back from. Um, Oh my gosh. And then uh, thinking about the finish of this match too, where, I mean, you've seen the Stratisfaction counter in many different ways over the years, but just something about uh, the way Trish is literally thrown from the apron of the ring over the top oh, rope, damn. face first into the barricade. What a bump! What oh a my bump! God. God, oh God! And like, you don't really realize how far away that barricade is from the apron of the ring until you see Trish literally like go from one, like uh, probably a good what five, six feet away. Right. She yeah. Like Ragdoll. I mean, and Chastity, kind of to play everyone's favorite card here, uh, as a former worker, like, when you were getting ready to, like, take a bump off of the apron, like, just a normal bump, like, I can imagine how high it is from the floor to the ring to begin with, but having to add a little bit of extra distance to physically force yourself into a guardrail, like, what kind of goes into any sort of bump you would take to the outside, especially one where you're going to try to make it such a pivotal uh, spot in a match? Right. So you think about one, the momentum that's needed to fly that far. I mean, it's not like Trish is this like hefty woman or anything like, I mean, this, she's got the, the, the way that she had to fly through the air, the momentum that Victoria had to send her. I mean, like everything about this is just so like luck of the draw because it could have been a complete and total flop or a bust because like, okay, what if she didn't go far enough? What if she, you know, sat like potato sacked it, went over the top and just like fell straight down. I mean, like there's so many like what ifs that could have gone wrong. And uh, I, I just keep thinking back to um, like recently around WrestleMania time, uh, Tori was on that table of three episode and she talked about how 
uh, a lot of times these girls were training day of. They were in the ring day of. They were the first ones in the ring when the when the ring got set up for the day in the arena. And guys like Finley were helping them go through the moves and go through the motions and stuff. And like this isn't something you plan. That's not something you let somebody do more than once. So this was very much like I would believe it was very much a okay. We're gonna do this really cool spot where I'm gonna counter the satisfaction. And you're gonna go freaking flying like. There's so much that goes into that without being able to actually, you know, quote unquote, rehearse it. So, like, mm-hmm. again, props to these women for being just like true trailblazers. Also, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that too, Chastity, because on Twitter, I don't know exactly what outlet it was, but they found a rehearsal for like NXT UK where they had the video hidden on YouTube, but someone found the link to it and they shared it on Twitter. And you literally see them like, getting ready to rehearse like this spot with Imperium running in and doing an attack on, I think it was probably uh, Mark Andrews or something, but you actually see them like trying to go through the spot without physically taking the spot. So like, you'll see them basically fight like kids and like set them up for a power bomb, but not actually power bomb them or bump or anything. So I can imagine like, okay, Trish, I want you to jump from the apron and then see how far forward you go. And then it's probably like, Oh, I could hit the, okay, from here. I'm like, okay, that's our finish. Like That's our finish. <laughs> oh my god yeah that that that, i would love to like just like know what went into the planning but wow um so you know we we get this great match but then you know it's not only the match itself that's iconic the aftermath produced one of my favorite all-time segments um you know victoria is backing up the ramp and she literally gets shoved. Like, not like, excuse me, like, light tap out of the way. Like, shoved. Like, like whiplash on her head. Like, um, ludicrous and, who? I only know Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Jazz comes down to the ring. And it, it's still, like, it, it's a rarely used GIF. But, like, I have it saved on my phone. And it's one of my favorites. Where Trish just, like, looks up and realizes it's Jazz. And I think she actually shit herself. Like, um, and Jazz just starts beating the crap out of her. And it was such a dominant return for Jazz, who had been out since, I think, May with an injury. Um, and it was awesome to see her back. I, I loved this segment. Yeah, I think uh, Trish was looking at Jazz like Jake looks out of Sheets Chicken Salad. It just, it's just not good. You know what's coming. It's not. No. No, it's dangerous. Um, yeah, but like Jazz, you know, was like showing no mercy. And she looked incredible, too. Like so, like peak physical condition. Um, and you just knew we were in for a really fun ride in the next couple of months because Jazz's matches with Trish were awesome. We knew Victoria's matches with Trish were awesome. And like now all three of them there at the same time, it's going to be good. No. And then like, you think about everything that uh, Jazz does in the post-match attack where she gets her in the bitch clamp and drops her dead center in the ring. She does a couple fishermen's, a couple DDTs that mm-hmm. vicious half Boston crab into the STF. And you just see, Trish, like, the air being choked out of her. It's just insane physicality, and it really sets up what would become one of probably the most important women's matches in WrestleMania history, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, they were Trish off TV after this, too. Um, and I think that was a pretty pretty impressive way to get Trish out of the picture for a little bit. Um, showed that Jazz, like, means business. Like, who returns and takes out, like, their top... Person, like there are tribal, the person who in a way got them injured and took them out right off the bat, you know, like jazz meant business. Um, 
So yeah, it was some really good stuff. And she had a return match a few weeks later with Molly Holly. Um, and I just, I loved seeing these two in the ring together. We didn't get to see it that often, um, them against each other. And I really wish we did more, but wow, it was a great match. I think it's also interesting because you don't normally see he, uh, heel versus heel, a versus heel, heel. Match either. Yeah, you know, this time in the women's division was so strange. I went to I went to a house show um, at Madison Square Garden around this time. And because Trish, they weren't having her work shows. Um, so I think it was like a triple threat with Victoria and Molly and Jacqueline. But like they were kind of like they rarely used Jacqueline, really, you know, like unless Trish needed a tag partner. So, like, you know, she was kind of being thrown into these matches. They were doing the heel versus heel things. I think they even had Stephen Richards wrestle the women a little bit, too. Um, just because, like, the women's division was so, so small. But small, but incredibly talented. Like, it's insane that how much talent there was with that small group of women. Right. And, I, again, they just never get the credit for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. But, um, yeah, so really happy to see Jazz back. Um, meanwhile, on the SmackDown side of things, you know, Tori Wilson is keeping her momentum going post the Don Marie saga, um, which you guys did an awesome job covering last episode. Um, we, she's got a little feud going on with um, Nydia. Um, so they uh, kind of make sense. You know, like Nydia is starting to wrestle a little bit more. Um, getting her getting in the ring a little bit and I I always kind of liked Nydia wrestling I don't know what it was like I she was definitely not like you know like the most skilled wrestler but I think she really tried she definitely wanted to be a great wrestler oh no I could totally see that from Nydia too because like I think uh, something that kind of helps her case is when she's paired with Jamie Noble, you kind of see more of like a brawler style, which kind of lent itself to someone who might be a little more green in the ring with them just doing just straight up technical maneuvers. Like you want to see her hit Tori hard. You want to see her like try to get a little more physical and toss her into like the turnbuckles more, just like hit her hard with a clothesline. Not everything has to be like chain wrestling or anything super crazy. And I think it shows that, they made the most of what they could do at the time and would still work as hard as they could. Right, okay. Okay, uh, answer me this. Did the, the Nydia, the, right now, is this before she was paired up with Jamie Noble or after? I believe this is after. Wait, 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 wait. She's still with Jamie Noble at this time. Okay, yeah, so this is yeah. still during. So yeah. I, I, there are bits and pieces of, like, this era that comes that I remember watching like live for the first time. And one of them being that like, I remember Jamie and Nydia coming out and like him take her, taking her gum out and putting it in his mouth or him taking her like, and I remember thinking like, Oh my God, this woman is like today's version because I grew up loving it, all versions of wrestling. But like, she was just this trailer park trash, like, you know, <laughs> make the body of herself. And I loved that because, like, okay, Pleasant Garden, North Carolina, representing right here. Like, I <laughs> And I'll tell you that I did not know until this summer, like, literally a couple months ago, that she was on Tough Enough. You didn't know that? No, I had no idea. Like, I seriously thought she was honestly just some girl that they threw into these storylines that she I didn't realize she had any wrestling training or wrestling background at all so like I learned that about her this summer and just had a whole newfound respect for her because of it yeah oh that's that's how she got there 
Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, also around this time so where, she, like, they don't really send people to OVW like they should have. So she's more or less learning in those moments in the, well, the ring, probably just with the agents. They they kept her off TV for, she, when she won, she was off TV for, like, I think, like, nine months, maybe. Because Maven jumped up right away. And they kept her off for a while. They had her on Tough Enough too, like, to come speak to the kids. I'm like, why, why do they care? And I remember, like, they showed, like, because they used to show their Titantron, like, when they'd be like, someone's here to talk to us, guys. And, like, it'd be, like, Nydia. And hers was, like, it looked like basically, like, those me characters from the Wii game, like, running. And it's, like, <laughs> Nydia. And, like, it was like, this is awful. Um, I'm glad they didn't go that route with her. But anyway, yeah, no. That, but honestly, though, I think that's a credit, though, to Nydia that you didn't realize she was from Tough Enough and kind of transcended that stigma. Because I feel like Tough Enough winners kind of, it's like, oh, yeah, they're there because they won Tough Enough. Like, you know, like Linda Miles. Like, okay, yeah, she won Tough Enough. Um, Maven, oh, Tough Enough winner. But I think it's huge that, like, you don't associate her with that, you know, that she was a character all on her own. Um, right. And I, she, she was brilliant. Character. Yeah. She she really owned her character and I think impressed a lot of people. Um, she was she was so good. I loved Jamie Noble and Nydia um, together. They're they're still like one of my favorite duos that they had. I used to like literally like, I like took my gum and I like twirled it on my finger and stuff like that. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um, but I I loved Jamie Noble and Nydia together. Um, I think I used like some ratchet britney spears figure i had like i like messed up her hair and i like cut her like she had blue sweatpants and i cut them into shorts and she had like a white crop top and i used that as my nydia with my jamie noble figure because they never made a nydia (laughs) god i love it (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah But kind of ironic with that, because, like, now I'm trying to think of, like, anything else they kind of did with Nydia Creative stuff. Like, I think she might have only, like, aside from, like, maybe that one figure, Jake, was, like, what, like, one of the WrestleMania games, and that's really it? She was in, yeah, she was in, um, I I think it was one of the ones for the game. No, it was, um... No, it's one of the ones for the Xbox, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it was Raw Raw 2 for the Xbox. Yeah. That was, that game had a great roster, like, which is actually circa this time period, um, and then, like, they tried to kind of do, like, the mini-trons, too, but it was just the regular trons. Yeah. Although, I will say, the one funny thing I was thinking about is, like, how awkward they, like, tried to capture Nydia's walk, where it kind of just oh, yeah. looks like a penguin waddling. It's so <laughs> awkward. I did love, I, like, I don't really play video games anymore, but I love that, because, like, I kept playing that game for the longest time, and I would, like, update, because you could update the outfits and, like, update the music, so, like, I remember I had some, like, crappy recording when they changed Nydia's music. Like, <laughs> like up to, there's, like, commentary during it. Like, <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, no. But she was, I really enjoyed Nydia. I enjoyed this little feud with Tori Wilson. Um, and it was kind of, like, leading up to the announcement of Tori being in Playboy, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, like, a nice little refreshing thing for Tori and Nydia on SmackDown. Um... But meanwhile, on Raw, you know, like, um, tor- the, not only are the, is the women's title picture, like, are those women getting screen time, but Stacey Keebler is actually um, getting more involved with test matches. And she takes um, 
sort of, it's a strange, like, kind of bump. Chris Jericho hits, like, a ring post, but the way it was supposed to, like, look is, like, the chair went around the ring post and hit her. And I remember thinking it actually did. I remember actually being upset about it. Oh, gosh. I was like, Stacey's uh, hurt. <laughs> future Hall of Famer. Loved Stacy. <laughs> she should, uh, that again is, like, why she should be in the Hall of Fame, too. Like, she made it look so real, but... I love. I really love Stacey Hebler so much. Um, so that was supposed to lead to a match with a uh, Test and uh, Jericho at No Way Out, but I don't remember exactly what happened with Test. Might have been like a drug policy thing or something. But Jeff Hardy took his place in the match. So, I- speaking of drug policy things, Jeff Hardy took his place. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, I was like the irony of that. <laughs> but um. But uh, yeah, so I was a little pissed um, because No Yacht was a shitty pay-per-view because we got, like, I don't think any women appeared on that now that I think about it. Um, that No Yacht 2003. Yeah, no, there was no women's matches. So that was a bust. Um, no, anyway, I'm sure, like, the Marks love it, but whatever. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, after No Women Allowed Out, um, Trish returns... Um, after being taken out by Jazz, uh, leading up to uh, setting up a triple threat match for WrestleMania 19. Um, so, yeah, like like uh, Jose said before, this is one of the best and most important women's matches in WrestleMania history. Absolutely. Oh my god! I mean, I mean to start with this. I mean, it literally starts with Trish kind of getting like I would say the only really like special women's entrance at WrestleMania up until thirty-two, where she comes out, she does her point, and then confetti cannon shoot. And yeah, that's literally the extent of what made her WrestleMania entrance special. It's just it was the things we were satisfied back then. It's crazy. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, like besides. That, I think that's, like, the only time women got pyro besides um, China's bazooka. That was, like, part of her normal entrance. That wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't special for WrestleMania. Like, this was just, like, a special WrestleMania entrance. And it was so cool. Like, I remember watching, like, a WWE 24 or something like that. And Sasha and Bailey were, like, before WrestleMania, were talking about that entrance in particular. And they're, like, I used to pretend it was Trish with, like, the confetti and stuff like that. I was, like, that's so cool. I think, like... I think every, like, wrestling fan, in a way, like, has that confetti moment in their head. Like, I know exactly, like, time-wise, like, in the song, when it would go off. Like, like, not even just that, but, like, many side note here, anyone else feel like WrestleMania 19 set is, like, severely underrated? Yes. Oh, my God. I loved it in a baseball stadium. They need to do them more in the baseball stadiums. Uh, That's why I was kind of annoyed with how they did the Rumble set, because it's literally just done coming out of the dugout. I I thought they'd actually, like, set up a stage to go with, like, the angular ramp to kind of give it, like, that WrestleMania 19 vibe. But, oh, well. Yeah. No, I I honestly loved the Rumble this year, like, in the the baseball stadium. I thought that was really freaking cool, but I agree. I like the setup for 19. I feel like it was something different and had a very cool vibe. And I remember again, going back and like, you know, I re every year I relive WrestleManias and I try to watch all like every WrestleMania leading up to whatever we're year we're in. And, um, I do that for like six or seven weeks before the show. And, uh, every time I go back and watch 19, it's one of those things where you just get chills watching Trish come out because like, 
I don't know that they actually acknowledge her getting the part. I don't think they actually acknowledge how special this moment was. But, like, nowadays, you've got the first ever this match. You've got the first ever that match. And then afterwards, no matter who's the babyface or who's the heel, you get the tears. And the, oh, my God, I just made history. But, like, this was, like, an authentic, like, she really was and we didn't even know it. You know? Like, she, this was, she really was making history and she didn't even know it. Yeah. This, this was by far my favorite one of her title wins. Um, it, it just, well, it I mean, speaking like of making history, moment. she, yeah. And kind of speaking of making history with this title, when she actually did end up tying the fabulous Mula for reigns with the women's championship at the time at four, You're right. So, yeah. And the way she was making history that night too. Oh my God. Was... This match had uh, so many fun spots too. It kind of just like the different like jumps to the outside and like that double backbreaker that jazz and Victoria oh. do where they both get, get to oh, show okay. power a little bit. I Although I'm sorry, God. Oh no, go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna say I loved when Jazz and Victoria turned on each other in the match because you know they were kind of like working over Trish together, and then like I just remember Jazz, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, and the way she backs her into the corner and <laughs> yeah. slaps the oh, shit out of her. So good. Oh my God, I loved it. Stephen Richards' chair shot to himself, like <laughs> awesome. And the moment. way he like bounced after taking the stratisfaction too. <laughs> so good, so good. It was such a great match. And I, I honestly, and you know, I'm a sucker for like cool attires. I loved all three of their outfits in this match. I thought their gear looked great. I love like who doesn't love Trisha's like silver outfit like and like the newsboy cap like i don't think anyone i've ever met has been like no that outfit sucked like <laughs> it, it's um, i love that look i loved it such an old school look too like the fact that it was a you know somewhat modest i mean i, I get like the legs are showing order but it was very much like a tribute to the to the you know even the women before them the no yeah. knee pads with the black you know patent yeah like, thing yeah. about it, it's just like a very Ironically. timeless look and I think, ironically enough, Jazz had the most revealing attire because she was the only one that had two pieces. Because Victoria has, like, this one-piece bodysuit with kind of, like, a silver spider-looking thing on the front of it, which is also yeah. rather modest, too. Yeah, it was. Hers was very modest. I, I, I think I'm about cocktail, but, like, it's still very modest. Like, well, um, I mean, I'm the world yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, Jazz had like it was like a like a leopard print or something like torn up. It was awesome. I, they all looked so good. I remember seeing um Trisha's gear. They always have it at access from that mania. And like every time I see it, like I get like chills. Like I'm just like, it is so cool to like be standing this close to such an iconic outfit um from an iconic moment. I think that like wrestling wise, I think that's my favorite one of her mania gears. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, it, I don't know if it's my favorite because I think I know what I would say my absolute favorite is, and Jake might agree with me. Is it WrestleMania 20? No, I was gonna say WrestleMania 21, although 20 was good too, even though I she didn't wrestle. I loved the cute little crop top bomber, yeah. See, that's why like I rolled it out because like, like that was her heel turn too, because it's like, oh, yeah. Shit. I do love I do love 21. I do love 21 as well. I loved like the little like fedora. And so Trish like always like turned it up for Romania. Like she always had a great look for Romania. I think she's the only like person I can say like I'm genuinely well besides trying to but that's not fair. Um I've genuinely liked like all of her outfits for Romania. Um and she wouldn't reuse it afterward either. Oh yeah, I I loved that. Yeah, cuz I don't I'm sorry. I'm like 
I, I'm not a fan of like reusing gear constantly. Like, so anyway. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so Trish, um, yeah, so she won the women's championship for WrestleMania, and that is that's everything a WrestleMania moment should be. So, you know, it's definitely one of the reasons we're doing this podcast today. Like, 100%. So. Um, so also at WrestleMania, that wasn't the only women's segment. We also had the Miller Lite cat fight girls who were arguing and over Wilson and uh, Stacy Keebler. <laughs> so oh God, I forgot about seeing this. the Miller Lite cat fight girls arguing backstage over who was going to win the Vince McMahon Hulk Hogan match. Was it going to be Vince McMahon or Hulk Hogan? So <laughs> the whole show. Medusa, is that you? No, that, that, go back and watch it. That's literally what this girl sounds like. Hulk. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> no, I, I know. Trust me, I know. I just thought you had a little you who going on over there. <laughs> so, I mean, originally I was pissed, but then, of course, you know, it led to literal Hall, Hall of Famer Tori Wilson and future Hall of Famer Stacey Keebler coming out. And, yeah, it was, like, one of those, like, segments for the men, but I was just happy Tori and Stacey had their music played at WrestleMania. So, <laughs> but, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, all right, so moving on. Um, SmackDown after WrestleMania 19, another iconic moment. There were so many good moments this time period. So, so Stephanie McMahon, um, before WrestleMania, announced that she wanted to um, say congratulations to herself, not because she was posing for Playboy, but because she signed the deal that got Tori Wilson in Playboy. Um, so SmackDown after WrestleMania, Tori comes out in green, which Taz loves, apparently, according to his commentary, um, so to uh, reveal her Playboy cover. And she also gets Pyro. The, um, it actually scares Tori. Um, and the cover falls from the ceiling. Um, I loved it. I thought this was a great moment. I was always a big fan of I love, I, I know the Playboy stuff is like smutty and like not everyone loves it, but I loved, I loved Playboy themed storylines. I loved Playboy cover reveal segments. I thought they were always iconic and gave us some of our best moments. No, <laughs> as dumb as it sounds, I feel like really the only kind of bad one they had around the Playboy covers was Maria's. Yeah, hers was the only one that was like stupid. Yeah, even though you had you went to that signing, but that's different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Maria is the hottest team that entered the room. So. God Almighty! Okay, wait, no, answer me. Why do y'all think that Maria's was so bad? Because it was based around Santino. It was about Santino. It wasn't yeah, even it was, about her. Yeah. Oh, okay, I get it now. I thought okay, you were so like cover was bad i was no, like no okay. it has oh, nothing to do with the actual magazine chest yeah. like it's the storylines because think about it. it when you have tories yeah. it's sable comes back which we'll talk about in a second but sable comes back tries to dispute that because she was also playboy cover girl herself christy hemi uh trish stratus is slut shaming her uh candace michelle she's trying to outdo tori wilson ashley setting up a match with uh melina who's like dead set against it like trying to show that there's nothing wrong with being in Playboy, and then Santino's just fucking stupid. So, and who yeah. can forget China, um, you know, embracing her inner beauty and being a comfortable person with herself, and then feuding with Right to Censor, leading to my all-time favorite WrestleMania segment mm-hmm. against Ivory. For uh, the Jake, J- you had three hours last month, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Okay. Yeah. And for those of you that it. haven't heard it, bless your heart. China 20 years of wonder is available wherever you listen to this podcast. Normally yes. grab so, yourself a bottle of uh, wine. Cause 30. you're going to need a bottle of Bergy. <laughs> <laughs> Bergy. Get your Bergy ready. Yeah. I so, think they um, had some at the barbecue ever... festival, right? Chef? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay, before so anyway. we move on past the Playboy thing, I just want y'all to know, like, that the dynamic between the three of us right now, obviously our childhoods and, like, demographics and everything about, like, who we are as children and adults is, like, just different, which is what makes this this podcast work is just how much we each bring to this. But, like, I was raised by a single father. He was a hell-raising Harley rider, like, bachelor my whole life. Um, we've always had a Playboy on the back of our toilet. Like, that is all. Yes. That's, you know, some people have candles or, like, nice little poopery. Not <laughs> so I know whenever my friends would come over, I would be like, oh, my God, I've got to ha- hide Dad's dirty magazine. Like, I've got to hide it. But, like, I was 100% guilty of, like, okay, I'm going to flip through this and look and being like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, not just being played. I wanted to be a WWE diva on the cover I wanted my like centerfold like this that was like goals like it was okay I'm gonna wrestle for the WWE and then I'm gonna get on Playboy and I think I was like 13 when I finally said that out loud to my dad and he was like I have failed as a parent (laughs) (laughs) what have I done so seriously like that was one of those things where you just looked at him like okay yeah they're beautiful yeah they're badass yeah they're this but like they're sexy and proud and confident and like this level of just exuberating beauty that like you just I wanted to be I I aspired to be these women and it's it was so empowering even then and I feel like somewhere along the way we took this this word diva and this beauty and this personification of beauty and brains mixed with athleticism we kind of took it away and you couldn't be sexy anymore like you know, girls like Lana, are they get slut-shamed all the time for being just either a vocal piece or, like, this this beauty in the ring or whatever. And, like, with Scarlett just getting signed recently, like, so many people had so many negative things to say. But, like, I would love to see a, one of the girls now. I would love to see a female WWE superstar do Playboy again. And while we're on the subject, who would y'all think it would be? Who could you see in today's era of wrestling being the next – the next girl to kind of bridge the gap between sex appeal and athleticism. I have my vote. I'm gonna I, have I mean, too. I think we all have the same vote probably because you kind of just did Maxim. So, I mean, is it safe to say we're all going to say Mandy Rose? Yeah. Really? I am. Not who I was going to say. What? Oh, who are you going to say? Y'all, I think Peyton could do it. Oh, oh my I God. Peyton totally could. Yeah. Both to do it together. Right. No, but like my thing is what like I also love the fact America? that we're <laughs> well, I mean, like kind of to go along that I also love the fact that we're actually having like a real discussion about like these poses and covers without just talking about it like spank material because it's not just that. Like it's the oh. fact that you're strong enough and comfortable enough in your own body to be your barest and truest self for anyone to see and without having everything be sexual about it. I think it's very empowering. And for to hear a woman's perspective on it too, Chess, I mean you would never think that something as uh, trivial as a Playboy cover could actually inspire a young woman and how she sees herself. Yeah, and now I know that there are going to be listeners who disagree 100% or think less of my father and the way I was raised or think less of me or think that they know something, like they've learned something. But like, honestly, it's not, I never looked at it as sexual. I never looked at it as like, 
I didn't, I, mean, I don't know, I was naive as crap, but I didn't understand why it was always in the bathroom, like, why dad didn't keep it in his bedroom or whatever, but at the same time, like, it was so out in the open, and, like, it was something he didn't hide from me either, like, it, I mean, it was always out there, so when my dad eventually got married, um, we, I remember us moving all of our stuff and hit my stepmom at the time was like, you're not bringing these with you. And we had like a box full. I mean, he had like so many that he would keep. And he was like, all right, whatever, I'll get rid of them. You know, the internet was a thing. Now we don't really need these magazines anymore. And I at, um, let's see, they got married in oh eight or nine. So I was like about to be in high school. I went through and got all of the the ones that had the WWE girls on there and I kept them. I was like, no, I mean, you can get rid of whatever you want, but like, these are, these are, these mean something to me. And I, it's just one of those things where like, I think it as a father, of course he was like, Oh God, what have I done? But at the same time as a girl growing up and, you know, becoming a woman, that was something that was truly inspiring and empowering. And, you know, coming back to what we were talking about, like Tori Wilson up until recently when she got inducted into the hall of fame never got the credit that she deserved like she was she was learning as she goes she was figuring her things out you know and she was involved in these crazy little wacky storylines but she was also like the face of the company for a brief period of time where she got to be on the cover of of playboy and i think that's just incredible to look back on and see how far we've come but also to see like maybe we could move into that direction one day and kind of bridge back that sex appeal and and athleticism all together so who knows who knows what 2020 will bring i love that and thank you for sharing that viewpoint on it because i too have like you know i feel like a lot of people just in general like they feel like embracing your sexuality as a negative like a lot of the time and i don't think there's anything wrong with like owning the person you are and being comfortable on your own skin um, I brought this up in the last episode that like a lot of people gave, you know, China a lot of crap for like, you know, doing porn and they'd be like, well, she shouldn't be in the hall of fame because she did porn. And I was like, I don't really see the problem with it. Like, I mean, like her reasoning behind it, like, you know, like that she needed money, like maybe not great, but like at the same time though, the person she was like years before that, not confident in herself, not confident with her appearance to be able to put herself out there like that and just like not care what other people think about it. Like that's her decision and her prerogative and her body and her right to do what she wants. And for and her, still have this conversation today about her body and her, her replace China with any woman. And that's mm-hmm. still conversation oh today, today, which is crazy. No, and then, like, the thing that makes no sense to me is that sex and nudity does not define who a person is or the things that they do. Like, especially when all that stuff started coming out with Paige and those uh, videos being leaked, like, that didn't mean that that's who Paige is. She's more than just whatever got uploaded to the internet without her consent or the fact that she's doing what she wants to do in front of a camera. That doesn't make her a horrible person. It's the shit that her boyfriend says and she defends. I don't but see, like, that's... what? I never... I, oh, that that situation infuriated me. Like, because <laughs> everyone's like, like, everyone's like, oh, she's disgusting. She's trash. I'm like, okay. Like, okay. So I was like, so you've never given head? Okay. Like, like I was like, I, was like, I, I see you. Like, it's just like, stop it. It's, I, I hate, I hate people. I'm just, I'm not a fan. So. Well, okay. One more thing to put on this, like, topic or whatever, too. And you guys always throw it to me with the, like, chas as a former worker. But, like, one of the reasons I had to take a huge step back from wrestling three or four years ago was because um, I graduated college. I got my, my teaching degree and teaching license and I immediately got a job teaching um, sixth grade math. And um, 
I was teaching in the same city that I was, uh, that I had gone to college in. It was the same city I had wrestled in, like, you know, numerous of months and years. I'd had at least one show a month there. Um, I had built this reputation and I started teaching in the city and my principal knew about it in my interview. The principal had, you know, I pulled up my name. I I never have ever gone into a situation and tried to hide it because like, it's a huge part. I was proud. I was always like, this could be a whole other episode, I feel like. But I was always the girl. Like, if there was an icebreaker, it was, hi, my name's Chassie Taylor. I'm from Pleasant Garden, North Carolina, and I'm a wrestler. Like, that was me. It was a part of my identity. And this male principal, um, he hired me. Uh, and then a month in, he told me, you can't do this anymore. Like, you can't, you can't do both. You have to choose. Well, of course, I'm now, what, $32,000 in debt. I just got this job. It's my dream job. I'm teaching. Like, this is what I've wanted to do since I was a little girl. And, like, now you're going to take away the only other thing I've ever wanted to do since I was a little girl. And he actually reached out to, to like, Gerwick.net. And I think he even reached out to Diva Dirt and was like, you need to remove her images, like, so that when I Google her name, this isn't what comes up anymore. And, like, a huge chunk of of me and my self-worth and my identity were taken away from me because a man could not fathom the idea that that there was a the confidence of being in a two-piece or or wrestling or whatever he he sexualized it he he immediately oh sexualized God. it and it what? it took away this huge part of me and it's taken me years to get that back. It's taken me years to get back the confidence because I, who has have been a very much a square individual, I have lived my life by the book. I have, you know, when it comes down to right and wrong and morals, like I'm a, a pretty freaking good person. And I was made to feel like a slut or what you're doing is immoral or promiscuous and you can't do that anymore. And I believed it. I let him make me believe that what I was doing was wrong. And to be 25 years old today and back to teaching sixth grade math. And I'm like, I've come full circle and I'm trying my absolute darndest to get back involved in a capacity that I feel comfortable. And there will always be a part of me that's too scared to actually jump back in as an active wrestler um, because of the way that society makes you feel like, okay, well, you have to be this one person in real life and you can't go and play this other person on, on stage. You have to be the same. And it's just, it sucks. It sucks that as a female, in this industry 10 years ago and today, your choices and your confidence are constantly questioned and, and your confidence or your, your confidence in your beauty and your sexuality and whatever else are always going to be something that people can use against you. And as far as we've, as we've come in pro wrestling in the last five years, the last five months, the last five decades, you name it, that's still something we're never going to get over. That, like, that's fucking ridiculous. I would never thought that that would be a reason for you to take a break where you're basically forced by your employer to like literally change your lifestyle just because he doesn't like what he sees when that doesn't affect you as an educator at all. Right. And I mean, ridiculous. It, it hurt. It was terrible. It was like emotional. And it's something like not a lot of people know. Everyone just assumes that, you know, ebb and flow of wrestling, you took some time off and never came back or whatever. But no, like my, my reasoning was that like, I felt like part of me died. Like I felt like every time you Google my name, there's, there's so much of my hard work and my history, you know, that was deleted and erased because somebody else didn't feel comfortable with it. And that will just always be something that kind of like wrecked my soul. So props to Tori Wilson and Maria Canellis and China and Sable and Ashley for being 
confident and willing and able to show off their bodies and say, I am still badass. I love them for that. Gosh, that is incredible. I'm sorry you had to go through that, Chas, but something tells me, and I know deep inside, that your contribution to the business is far from over. I mean, you're barely in your mid-20s, and you still have who knows how many years, if you ever want to get back into a ring, to rewrite that history that you made, especially now when it's probably one of the best times to be a woman in wrestling. Right, right. Who knows? You never know. I'm with the old saying, never say never. (laughs) Chaz, you're absolutely incredible. Thank you for opening up like that. Yeah. Um, All right. um, Hold on. I need to find our agenda. (laughs) Um, Oh, speaking of opening up, uh, so we were going back to uh, the Playboy cover unveiling of one Tony Wilson on SmackDown after WrestleMania. And then out of nowhere, we hear. A certain uh, a certain growl, a noise we haven't heard in the better part of about five or six years because we thought that they were still in court. But lo and behold, <laughs> Sable's back. Yes, and back. she's having a little coming out party of her own. Um, yes, she's she's back in WWE, um, and it, it, this was like one of those I think really truly shocking returns i think and this was even like a spoiler like i remember this was taped on a tuesday um and smackdown i think was on thursdays maybe at this time um so i remember i we knew about it in advance but even then it still was shocking to see her there uh it, it very surreal moment um sable is like a as I said, Sable had like this lawsuit against WWE. It was one of those people we never thought we'd see there again. Um, but yeah, no, she's back in WWE and picking up a feud with Tori Wilson, the new Playboy cover girl. Love it. What a storyline and angle that gets so like little recognition. It, it, it's so good. Like just the mind game Sable was like playing with Tori, you know, um, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more oh in this episode <laughs> but, uh, i was gonna say next time but i was like oh wait it's not here but um yeah like yeah it's because it's tori in the shower um you know she has bikini invitationals and like consistently names tori last place um you know she's just plays these mind games with tori um and that, uh, that leads to a bikini contest, which we will definitely talk about next episode. But um, yeah, it's, it's a great feud and it's great to see Sable back. And she is looking incredible and she is um, like just really, really impressing. And I, I'm just going to also, I also want to say this. It was also really great to see um, Sable back at that time because there's also um, kind of been this taboo about... Um, you know, like ages in um, wrestling and, you know, like when you can be there, you know, like when you have to like step out of it. And like in diva years, I think at that time, like I want to say like 30 was even old for like for the women. Um, I, you know, I know there were some a little older, but like WWE definitely had like this mindset is like once you start aging, yeah we're done with you and um she was like in her 30s i think at this time so you know maybe like like late 30s at this time and she looked incredible gorgeous stunning um so it was it was awesome to see 
an older woman in terms of diva years being one of their biggest names in the company. Definitely. And so speaking of like the aging thing or whatever, I remember when I first went to college using like telling people, you know, if it was like they would ask questions like, well, why are you in school if this is what you want to do? Like talking about wrestling. And I would say, well, honestly, guys, the shelf life of a of a diva is is only like five to seven years. Like once you turn mm-hmm. 30 you're out and like that was always my excuse for still continuing to go to school was because I was like, well, I'll do it when I'm young. But once I'm 30, I need a fallback plan. Oh. And like almost laughable now because you look at how old some of the the men are. You look at like uh, just not how old that sounds terrible, but like the ages of them. And like the fact that like age means nothing now getting mm-hmm. signed. I, a really good example, not female wise, but like, Diamond Dallas Page didn't start until he was 32 or 34 years old. Like he yeah. didn't you until then. And he still went on to become like, you know, one of the greats. So like it, it, there's no such thing as too young or too old anymore. Victoria just uh, on the podcast I listened to today too. She just said she like was signed at like 30. Um, yeah, I think like she debuted at 28 and like by the time she just retired this year, I think she's what, like 44 or something like that. Yeah. Or, She's, and then you she's think 48 about, right now. Yeah. Yeah, because there's other women that are still wrestling having these decades or multiple decades spanning careers. You have women like Jazz and Mickey James and Melina. Mm-hmm. That I mean, fucking Jacqueline and Ivory were wrestling in their 50s and making it look like it was easy. Like age really does not define anything it's nowadays, a, and especially in, now. Right. It is a, it's incredible. And this is I feel like only within the last couple of years, too. Because I remember when Layla left, people were like, oh my God, she's 38. She like needs to hang it up. And I'm like, she's like, like she can still go. I mean, she left and it was her own. Mission. But um, I, I, I just, it just baffles me when you, they have like the Undertaker coming out there like with like three broken hips or whatever. Like, you know, like it's like, okay, you're okay with this. But like women who are perfectly healthy, like, I have to say another thing that's also really great too about what's currently going on is women who have had children are also making comebacks in the ring, which is something I feel like we probably would not have seen years ago. They probably would have been like, oh, you had a kid, like, okay, your body won't ever recover, so you're done. Right. Yeah, because now you got to think about how many women in the WWE now are mothers because you have Lacey Evans, you have Tamina, you have Mickey James. God, I'm trying to think who else off the top of my head. Uh, Maria. Well, she's pregnant again, but yeah. Like, Stephanie like women, McMahon. You have like women coming back, like for like, Brie, Maurice, um, Beth Phoenix, you know, like, and it's incredible. And it's, you know, I think that's Trish. also really, in, Trish, that's really inspiring, I think, to, um, you know, women. Because like, you know, like I have friends who are starting to be like moms now and stuff. And, you know, like they're concerned about their bodies and like, you know how they're going to look and you know like I, I mean I'm not a woman so I can't say but I the advice I've given is like you know like just embrace the body you have I was like you know like if you're not happy with it like do what you want to like change it like go to the gym do whatever but like I was like you know what this is you love it you know love yourself embrace yourself be up with that and it's, I think it's really inspiring to see these women whose bodies have changed embracing the person they are now and still competing Definitely. And uh, just while we're on that topic, a huge shout out to my favorite mom who has now returned back to action. Miss Chrissy freaking Vane is back. And I'm still mad about 2007. See, nothing could ever top that moment for me in 2019, seeing her 
announced that she was training again and then awesome. seeing she had signed with wow like that's that's my girl like that is someone who i grew up watching not on tv not you know on the internet i was going to shows watching her as a young girl her and amber freaking o'neill like those were women who i they were real to me. They weren't on TV. They weren't somebody I paid a bunch of money to go sit in the nosebleed seats to watch and never meet. Like, no, there are pictures of me with them. Like, my, ugh, I could talk about them all day long. But I'm just so proud of Chrissy for defying those odds and coming back when she really, I mean, like you said, 2007, like, that was a year for her. I never would have thought that we would ever see the day where she came back to wrestling. And I am, we are all in a better world because she is back. Gosh. Awesome. Suddenly, I'm imagining Chrissy Vane versus Chastity Taylor in my head. Wrestlecade, make it happen. Wrestlecade, make it happen. Because <laughs> you know they're listening to this. Come on, they freaking oh. tweeted us while we're recording, for goodness sakes. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so awesome, awesome stuff. Um, so meanwhile, also on Raw, um, we talked a little bit earlier about Stephen Richards being in Victoria's Corner, which is great, but Jazz gets her own manager as well. Theodore Long becomes her manager, and this was just a perfect pairing, in my opinion. I, Jazz didn't need to say a word. She was the muscle, and Theodore Long, like, played it up. You know, the bitch is back, the bitch is black. Like, I will never forget that tagline. He was great with her. That would not fly today, would it, fellas? Uh, Hell no. Nope, it definitely would not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think he added... He added a real different dynamic to um, this whole jazz and Trish feud. So it like felt kind of different than the feud we had seen previously. And it was just really, really awesome. I really loved it. Um, you know, also leading up to the next pay-per-view backlash, Lita makes a surprise appearance. She's been out of action for about a year now um, with an injury. Um, and she is harassed by Eric Bischoff, speaking of things that won't fly today. <laughs> so <laughs> Eric Bischoff basically, like, sexually harasses her and tells her she has to sleep with him. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's awful. And we're never going to have to see that again. Thank God. Thank um, <laughs> so, um, so, anyway, Stacy Keebler is, you know, still with Tess, but she's starting to have some problems with him. Um, she's starting to form this little tag team for a test with Scott Steiner, who's not really doing anything right now. Um, definitely more on that in coming episodes. Um, but it's start of a really controversial, but unique, but feud. I don't know. I liked it. I, I thought it projected Stacy as a star, but it was definitely slimy. But anyway, yeah. what um, it wasn't in 2003. It wasn't in, you know, look, just looking at this stuff in 2003, like, I was like, wow, things are so different now. <laughs> like, oh my God. God but, we're you know, prudes now compared to them. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like Ivory. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so you want to <laughs> So at Backlash 2003, um, Jazz um, fulfills the reason she returned and she takes on Trish Stratus for the women's title and wins her second championship in another classic Trish Stratus and Jazz match. God, I mean, when you talk about like all the different women that Trish has faced over the years and the chemistry that she has, like, I still think that Jazz was probably the one to really give Trish like 
her do as far as getting her up to snuff to go with some of the other girls. And it shows here, too. Even after Trish has had some time with Victoria and especially other uh, girls at the time, like Ivory and Molly, just really showing off that, hey, this is where you left me off, but I'm a little bit better than you thought I was. And it still shows how hungry Jazz was to become a champion again. And we've said this again when we've spoken about Jazz before, but like she just brings this sense of physicality to the matches, no matter who she's in there with, that she's like every match and every move and every sequence that she is involved in, you're just enamored by them because she just, she was so fluid in the ring and she made every woman she shared the ring with look better. She may, I mean, she just, she was and is still 